If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 17. We finished 14 verses on Wednesday night. If you haven't got a chance to listen to that, you need to. It's very important that you understand uh, that portion of it. Only reason because you understand the first part of this story is a man named Hushai and Ahithophel, and Hushai gave uh, advice to a man named Absalom. This is David's son that's taken over the kingdom. He gave advice to the whole army of Absalom to go and attack David. And what he was doing was giving David time and his 6,000 men, whatever it is, 12,000, I don't know how many men, but to get across the river and to run. So he's giving him that time is, is what he's doing. Now, I want you, I, I preached this at Debbie's funeral, Debbie Garner's funeral, I, not this, and I, I talked about this. It's funny because somebody gave me a, a CD of her, of her funeral today that they had watched and returned, and I thought, well, I'm talking about her tonight. Um, I, Debbie's funeral, at Debbie's funeral, I talked about the greatest, who's the greatest, and we talked about James and John, and, and they're saying, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom, and I said, you know, people that we consider great. All right. Now, who is, who is somebody in the scriptures that you consider great? Somebody, by the way, if you ever want to look at some list, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the heroes of the faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11. Who is it that you consider great in the Bible? Moses. John, Paul. Who else? Elijah. Peter, Noah. Noah's story blows my mind, I'll be honest with you. Why that man did what he did, I don't understand. But, well, Moses too, right? I mean, all these people and how they suffered or what they went through. Now, these are the stories that you've heard in Sunday school and you talk to your kids and you've heard thousands of times and taught it different ways. I mean, how many different ways can you teach certain things, right? Well, I want to tell you the people that we're going to talk about tonight, I bet you've never heard of them before, but God used them. In fact, there's a couple people in here that he only mentions one time in all the Bible, and it's in this story. If you think that you have to be a Noah or a Moses to be successful in God's eyes or to do something big, you don't. Because God is ready to use you at a particular time and place in your life. He just wants us to be found faithful wherever we're at. So these people on this list will not make the heroes of the faith, but they make my heroes of the faith because of what they're getting ready to do tonight and how God is going to use them. So I'm excited about this story right here. First, second Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 15, 17, 15. All right. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abathar, the priest, this is what Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel to do. And this is what I have advised. So he simply walks up to the priest. Remember, David sent back two of the priests to take care of the Ark of the Covenant. And he says, Hushai, he said, he said, he said to the priest, he said, uh, um, uh, Ahithophel said, we got to jump on David right now. All 12,000 men, let's go get him and let's take care of him. Now that's what Ahithophel had planned. 
And by the way, it is possible that they would have overran David because I don't know how many men are David with David. It doesn't ever say, let's just say 6,000, but they would have overran him. David's tired, they're worn out, they're exhausted. And Hushai came in and said, that's not a good plan. I think you should take the whole army from Dan to Beersheba and I think you should go after David. Well, what he's doing, remember the whole time he's trying to be like, send a messenger, tell David to run. If you did not get uh, Wednesday night, the map, if you brought your map with you tonight, this story is going to wrap up the map uh, from Wednesday night. I do have a few more up here um, in, the, in, the, in the front here. So if you have your map, it shows David running, it shows Absalom running, and we're gonna see some of the cities and the places that are talked about. Man, you can't wait until, now Wednesday night, we're gonna talk about how this battle goes. The next chapter is even more incredible. And I told you, this is the last nine years of David's life. David is 61 years old. Remember what Hushai told uh, uh, Absalom? He's like, oh, your father, he is a mighty warrior. He is a, he is a man's man. You know, yeah, when he was in his 20s and 30s and 40s, but he is 61 years old. How much fighting can David actually still do? And so here we have Hushai comes to the priest. He said, look, this was Ahithophel's plan. I told him no to go and get the whole army. So they're rounding up all of these men. They got time. Please go send a messenger. Verse 16. Now then send a messenger quickly and tell David saying, do not spend the night at the river crossing of the wilderness, but by all means cross over or else the king and all the people who are with him will be destroyed. Now they will be destroyed if they stay on this side of the river because he's got an entire Israel army coming after him. And so he tells the, the priest, he says, by the way, the priests are on David's side. And do you remember that each priest had a son that stayed behind? Because it would have been very noticeable if I told you this several weeks ago, if the priest walks out, guess what? They're going to be followed because they know that they're on David's side. So what happened was, they had to they had to have messengers. And who was it? The two, the two priests had two sons one son apiece, and they stayed behind with them. And so here's the message. Number one, do not spend the night at the river and cross over and keep going. Don't stop. And the reason is because everybody will be destroyed. It was clear cut. It was, the message was clear. Verse 17. Now, Jonathan and Amihaz staying at Ingrol and a female servant would go and inform them that they would go inform the king, David, they could not allow themselves to be seen entering the kingdom. Here's our first hero of the faith. Now I want you to understand something. If they did not leave the city when David left, then whose side were they on? Absalom's, okay? They were on his son's side. If they didn't leave the city when David left, they were on Absalom's side. So everybody that we're going to talk about tonight that I call heroes of the faith, of my faith, is everybody was, was initially on Absalom's side. And here's our first mention, the first woman that he mentions, and she at one point was on Absalom's side. But before I get to her, a Jonathan and Amihas, and these people right here are the two priest's sons. And they've been given the job to go tell David. 
And you know what? It's because they could sneak out of the city better than their fathers could without being detected, right? They had a way to get out. And however, a female volunteered in Jerusalem and says, I will go to the next city over and I'm going to tell them. That's what he said. I'm going to go. It's just outside of, the, of Jerusalem. And this female raises her hand and says, I'll deliver the message. Because you know what? The priest couldn't go out and go to their sons because they would have suspected something. So here's this female that was once on Absalom's side that leaves the city and goes to the two boys. You know what? You know what I think changed her mind? I think as Absalom had those 10 women on the roof raping them, I think she saw it. And I think this right here was enough to change this one woman's mind and put a love for David back in her heart and want him back as king. And she was willing to do whatever it took. By the way, was she not taking her own li her life in her own hands here by doing this? You better believe it. She was willing to step out and go and tell uh, the two sons the news to give to David. It was a, This is a spy rink is what this is. From Hushai to this lady to, to others. And so that's what I believe. I think she saw the rape of the 10 concubines and she said, I'll do it. That's not my king. David is my king. And so, verse 18, but a boy did see them and he told Absalom. So the two of them left quickly and came to the house of the man and who had a well in his courtyard and they went down into it. So all of a sudden, now this, this part of the story should be like, what to you? The two men, they, they were informed, and these two men take off running, to, and they leave in Rogel, and they're going out of the city to see David, and here's a young boy, a lad, and he goes, they're leaving, they're running, they're going to get him. Now, how does a young boy know this information? It's the question I had to ask myself. What, what, was there a loudspeaker? All right, if you see these men or you see this going on, you need to inform the authorities because you're going to be whatever. You need to let everybody know. Even this young child is watching out. Everybody is on pins and needles in this city. Is David coming? Is he coming back to kill us? I spent some time on this verse, and I want to tell you why, because it didn't make sense that a young lad yelled out and told an authority that these two men had left. Even if he was assigned to watch over them. You know what I thought of? What did they tell all these people? What did they scare them with? You know, if David returns, and because you turned your back on him, he's gonna kill every one of you. And if he ever comes back into office, he's gonna kill every one of you as soon as he comes back in, him and his men. So you better support me. I thought about these lies. What was told that this young lad was watching these two brothers? I mean, these two friends. You know what I thought of? My dad, my dad was in Okinawa 
not obviously not World War II, but during Vietnam. How many of you ever have been served in Okinawa in here? Okay, one other. But in, in 1942 in Okinawa was very different than what it is today, obviously. Okinawa was terrible, terrible loss of American lives and Japanese lives, but not only this, Japanese citizens and Okinawan citizens, but not by necessarily gunfire or the blast from all the bullets. You know what it was? They took their own lives. By the way, there's video of this. It's sickening to watch. I love history and seeing some of the things that's happened in history. Let me tell you what the Japanese did when they took over in Okinawa. They said, if the Americans come to shore and they take over this island, then they're going to do terrible things to you women. They're going to kill your kids. They're going to eat your kids. They're going to kill your... On and on and on. The Japanese had told so many things about these Americans that when they came on the island, you can imagine the fear that was instilled inside of these people. They were hiding and hiding and hiding. The American soldiers, as they made their way on there, there's video of this, of these women having their young babies in their arms as they're jumping off the cliffs of Okinawa with their young children. Why? Because the Japanese told them that the American people, soldiers, are savages. Now, how does this all relate to this story? Propaganda. Propaganda. That's what it was. You know why I think a young lad was watching these two friends? Propaganda. I think Absalom had filled these people's minds with if David returns, this and this and this and this is going to happen. And the whole city of Jerusalem is on pins and needles now because they're just waiting for him to come back and kill and kill and kill. That's the only reason I can think is why in the world would this young boy be watching this? Verse 19, and the woman took cover, spread it over the well's mouth, scattered the barley and the meal on it so that nothing was known. Now, did you notice what this woman, this is not the same woman who gave the report. This is another woman. As they're running away, there is a man there. It doesn't give his name, but he's there and a woman is outside working and she knows who he is. Here's a second woman. I believe that this also reveals the attitude of probably a lot of women after they watched Absalom do what he did on the top of the palace um, in Jerusalem. Now, two women have showed their support who at one time, if they're in that city, shows they supported Absalom and they no longer support him. And so what happened was, and the timing of all these things are, are perfect, what are the chances that there was this board near the well? What are the chances that this barley was near the well? And these young men, they jump down in this well. They throw this board over it. She throws the barley and she's pretending to be preparing this barley. And so it's scattered. The timing of the Lord is perfect because let me tell you this. If God wanted these men to be found, then they would have been found. All right. There's nothing that's, that's, that can be covered that God can uncover. We can't hide anything. God's going to uncover it when he's ready to uncover it. 
Verse 20, then Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house and said, where is Amihaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, they have crossed over the brook of water. And when they searched, they did not find them and they returned back to Jerusalem. So here's Absalom's servants. You know what I see? They were hot on their trail. It's almost like you got the bloodhounds after them. It was so quick when they jumped in this well through the board to barley, all of a sudden she's preparing. They come around the corner. That's how quick it was. Do you remember the story of the missionaries who were running for their life and one of the missionaries slid into a hole? This is a true story. And as they were looking, the soldiers were looking for this missionary. They were checking each cave and little hole. And when they got to this particular hole, a spider had built over where the missionary had went in. God had sent a spider and built a spider web over the hole. When they saw the spider web, they knew that that man couldn't have gone in the hole. God had protected him. Just like he's protecting these two men because he's got a plan. So the Bible says, the Bible says they asked the woman, where is he? And they said, oh, he, they've already gone over. They've already crossed over. They had no problem protecting these men. This woman had no problem protecting these men because of the character of Absalom. She did want. She didn't care about her life. She knew that she just didn't want Absalom in that office. And the Bible says that they did not find them because God would not allow it. We often ask this, like Rahab the harlot, there's discussion, should she have lied? The question, should this woman lie? Is God not bigger than that? I don't know. That end of the discussion is it's ongoing. But this is what they told, this is what she says. You know what I think? I think if she would have not, I think if she would have been as truthful as possible, I think God would have, could have still protected them. You know, it wasn't depending on her lie for God to protect them. God is the one that's doing the protecting here. Verse 21, it came about after they had departed that they came out of the well and went and reported to King David all that they saw. And he set out across the water because of what Ahithophel has advised against you. And so here they jump up out of the well and he sets out and he says, okay, David, here it is. You get, you need to go, son. You need to go. You need to get across this water. Take all these thousands of people and get across this water and go as north as you can, as fast as you can, because Ahithophel has made a counsel against you, but Hushai has saved you with his advice. It was an answer to David's prayer. Now, so far, we have the two priests, there are two sons and two women. We have six people, heroes of my faith tonight. Six people so far. And so, he, and he tells them, Ahithophel is against you. Verse 22, then David and all the people who were with him set out and crossed over Jordan. And by dawn, not even one remained who had not crossed over Jordan. Carol, you've been to the Jordan River. It's not always calm, is it? It's deep in some places. And so you can see on your map where that crossing is. And I want to tell you this, I don't know, you know, the Bible probably would have told us about a miracle that took place at that point. But I believe there was a miracle that night. Because not that there was no walking across dry ground, but at that point there was no storm. There was no rough and raging water. People wasn't losing their lives and going down the river. God had made it calm and passable so, so much so that 6,000 plus people could get across the river 
all in one night. Because we see in chapter 18, verse 1, David takes count of the people, and it just says he made his commanders over commanders of thousands and commanders over hundreds. We don't know how many people left the city with David, but I told you this, it probably looked like Ukraine going into Poland. It was a mass exodus when Absalom was coming in. But the amazing thing was by dawn, everybody had crossed the river because Absalom is right on their, right on their tail. This river enough was enough to get David caught. But God did see to it that all these babies and all these children and all these women, pregnant or not pregnant, and all these men and all the goods and supplies, they all made it across. By the way, there's very limited good and supplies. Now, you know what? Where do you see the most miracles in your family and yours life when there's the least amount in your life? This is when you see David, you see God supply the most when there's the least amount in your life. I mean, how many times you remember, I mean, I, I told Christy this a hundred times. I said, when you first get married and, and you know, there's, there's just nothing. You just, you, very little. And there's times where you, you write out your bills on paper and at the end of the month, it, it doesn't match up, but everything is paid. Well, how did that happen? You know, with the miracles that you see in your life. And I think the more we have and the more that we have in savings and all that, I think we don't see the providence of God, you know, him providing. And so here, what I'm getting at, they took very little supplies over, and you're going to see at the end of the story how that's going to make a big deal. He's going to add more people to their life that's going to take care of their needs. Verse 23, now when Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, set out, went to his home, to his city, in the house, and he got it in order, and he hanged himself, so he died and was buried in his father's grave. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, the Bible gets off on exit ramp. He said, by the way, let me stop right there. Let me get away from David. Let me tell you what happened to Ahithophel. So, and so when Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, that they couldn't attack David immediately and kill David, he went back and he set his house in order. What does that mean? I'm not sure if he wrote out a will. Maybe he gathered up all of his stuff and maybe he went and handed it out to his family or he made a note and he, you know, I don't know what he did, but he, but he physically set his house in order. Now here's the problem. Spiritually, Ahithophel did not set his house in order. Remember where this stemmed from. Who was Ahithophel? Bathsheba's grandfather. David's counselor, all this stems from his bitterness and anger towards David. I believe he hated him. Physically, his house is in order. Spiritually, Ahithophel is not in order. And the Bible says that he hanged himself. But why? Why did he hang himself? Because his advice wasn't followed? That's, that's ludicrous. No. He didn't, fall, he didn't hang himself because his vice wasn't followed. He hung himself because he knew that Absalom was going to lose. And if Absalom lost, his life was over. Because David knew that Ahithophel turned against him. And by the way, you're going to see on David's deathbed, some of these stories are going to come back up and you're going to see some of the remarks that David makes about these people on his deathbed to his son Solomon 
it does make a difference. And Ahithophel knew it. And he hung himself. You know what he did? He went on and took care of what was going to happen to him anyway. That's what he did. Verse 24, then David came to Mahanam and Absalom crossed over the Jordan and he and all the Israel with him. And so he comes about 40 miles, and that's the best I can see. I've, I've tried to look it up, and, and I, I measured out about 40 miles to 50 miles north of Jerusalem. He takes all of these people across Jordan River and travels 50 miles with thousands of people. Can you imagine that? And all of a sudden, right behind him, Absalom is crossing over the Jordan River, and he's a leader of 12,000 fighting men. But this is not just 12,000 men. Remember, he went back and got all the people from Dan to Beersheba. There is a huge army coming after David. But I know it's at least double, triple, or quadruple David's sons. And so here, the Bible says he had all the men of Israel, all the fighting men. There are those who stayed behind, by the way, that didn't support Absalom. But he took every fighting man that supported him, thousands of men. Can you imagine being pursued by thousands and thousands of people? One man. Now here's the beginning of the end. Verse 25. This verse is very important. The first part. Absalom put Amasa in command of the army in the place of Joab. Stop right there. Who is Joab? David's commander-in-chief, his right-hand man, he has been with David for 35 to 40 years. He was in the wilderness with him for 20. He's been his commander. He's fought for David continuously. And David takes Joab out of the official capacity of commander. And there is a reason for this. There's a reason for this. Now, Amasa is now in the command of the army, okay? Absalom put Amasa in command, all right? And why did he put command? Because Joab is with following after David. You're going to see David is going to, to take care of Joab too. You'll see that. David has not got over something with Joab that happened a long time ago. We'll eventually get to that story. So here... Absalom has Amasa, all right? David has Joab. Those are the two commanders, all right? And so now David's commanders, eventually Joab kills these two commanders outside of war. Abner, remember Abner, Joab killed him. And then Joab's going to kill this man Amasa. Now, if you remember that Joab killed Abner because Abner killed Joab's brother, if you remember the story, when they're running along, it was Ahasahel, all right? He was running along, and Abner said, do not follow me. Do not follow me. He said, I'm going to kill you. Abner kept saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Do not follow me. And Ahasahel was so fast, he's laughing at him. All of a sudden, Abner turned around and stabs him with the knife. Remember that? He falls to the ground dead. He killed Joab's brother. Joab goes after Abner. And Abner begged him, don't kill me, don't kill me. But Joab kills Abner later on outside of war. This is the beginning of the end for Joab. The first murder. 
Think about all the men that Joab killed. Thousands of men. But these two men will play the biggest role in his life and the beginning of his end. Well, the second man that he's going to kill is Amasa. Amasa. That's going to be the second. We'll get to that story later on. These two murders will be the end of Joab, and you'll see this later on. Let's go to verse 25, the second part. Now Amasa was the son of the man whose name was Ithra, the Israelite, who had relations with Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, the sister of Zeruah, and Joab's mother. Now you're thinking, okay, what is all this? Let me just go ahead and tell you. Abigail is David's sister. Zeruah is David's sister. All right? David eventually calls uh, Amasa bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Joab was David's nephew. Amasa was David's nephew. So what does this make? Joab and Amasa are what? Cousins. First cousins. All these people are related. It was almost like being at Community Baptist Church, right? <laughs> and so Joab and Amasa are cousins and Joab pursues him because he's angry at him and he, and he eventually kills him. This is, the Old Testament is so graphic, is it not? It's either kill or be killed. In verse 26, And Israel and Absalom camped in, Gil, in, in Gilead. And Israel, and here, Israel and Absalom, they all count to get, camped together, 12,000 plus men. And they're just south, if you look at your map, they're just south of where this battle is going to take place. And it's amazing where God has them to stop in the battle in this forest and if you can look on a map, an actual map, uh, what's it called, uh, topography map, where it shows the elevation, if you find right at Gilead, you would see the topography and all the caves. God is going to put them in this place for this battle, for this time, because God is going to also assist David in killing these people. Do not miss that story. Verse 27, now when David had come to Mahanam, Shobi, Makur, the son of Emil, uh, and, and, and Brazilla, and, and, and Regillum. All right, there's three people. They're, they're naming off where they live like the Bible generally does. But the first one is Shobi. Shobi. I told you we have two women that are heroes of the faith, not to mention a high priest and her sons, but let's just talk about the people that are mentioned the least. By the way, the two women... The one that was sending the message, the other one hit them in the well. We don't know their names. We, they're never mentioned again. We know nothing about them, but God used them to save David. Now, here's three more people that God is going to use that you probably never have heard their name before that are called heroes of the faith in my book. The first one is Shobi. This is the only time his name is mentioned in all the Bible. And he's going to do something for David. I'll get to that. Makur. The man was long. This man was kind long before David was, uh, was, was he ever helped David. Let me, let me say something. This man is my hero and he has been my hero for some time. Do you remember that David said, can I show the kindness of God to somebody today? You remember that? That's our, that's our theme for Community Baptist Church. Look on our website. The kindness of God. Showing the kindness of God. Do you remember who he showed the kindness of God to? Sat at his table, crippled man. 
Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Do you want to know who took care of Mephibosheth for year after year after year? McCurr did. This man right here. You know what? I've thought about this man so many times and what he had to do. Jonathan was gone. Hey, there wasn't a, a check being written to him by through Saul's account to take care of him. He took on this kid. He took on this man. He took care of him. When nobody else wanted this cripple, he took care of him. And this third man is Brazella. Brazella. And, and this man served David long after he is years. By the way, David is going to come back in, in 2 Samuel 19, and he's going to come back in Jerusalem. In fact, David calls Brazilla, and he says, I want you to come live at my palace. And, and Brazilla goes, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. David, I am 80 years old. I am too old. I'm not packing up my stuff. I'm not moving away. I'm not doing it. David begs him, please come live with me. I want to show you the kindness of God. And Brazilla said, my family's here. He said, bring them with you. He said, David, I am 80 years old. How many of you want to rebuild a house and move to a new location at 80? He said, I am too old. And so, by the way, David remembers these people on his deathbed. He never forgets what they did for him and the role that they played. We have two females. We have these three males, and they're only mentioned. They're a blip on the radar, but they help save David's life, and not only David's life, his family's life, and he, and he helps save all these thousands of people. These people are heroes of the faith. Verse 28, what did they do? They brought beds. Basins, pottery, wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, roasted seeds. By the way, in the wilderness, where are they going to get all this stuff? You know what? Think about how much these men did. You know what? It could be the two women that they were at the beginning of this story. They also helped them too. But they gathered all of these supplies for thousands of people. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Some of you women cook for three days preparing for 30 people for Thanksgiving or Christmas. They're praying for thousands of people to do the most that they can. And, and by the way, you know what? Something else. The Bible doesn't mention those who helped them. They didn't get recognized. But God knew. You know, there's people in this church that do not want to be up on this stage. They want to be behind the scenes. And, are, and I hear this. Well, I'm too old. I'm too old. What if Brazilla would have said, I'm too old. I'm just too old. Count me out. What if, what, if, what if that was his attitude? You see, if God has got you in a place, he still wants to use you. You're not too old to be used for, for what God wants you to be used for. And so they brought all these things into the wilderness and gave no regards for their own life. Not only that, verse 29, honey and curds and sheep and cheese and of the herd. For David and the people who were with him to eat, for they said the people are hungry. They're exhausted and thirsty in the wilderness. The men saw a need 
They didn't just see a need, but they said, I fulfill a need. Look, there are plenty of people all around us are ready to complain because they don't like something. We have it here. We have it in school systems. We have it everywhere. They're ready to complain how they're not happy about something, but they're not willing to step up and do anything about it. But they're ready to complain. He didn't say, wow, I really see that you're exhausted, David. I'll be praying for you. I'm too old. And James say that? Don't just say, I'll be praying for him. Go do what you said you're going to pray for him about. They're not dramatic warriors. These people didn't fight this great battle, but they helped David in the times of crisis. Let's just say this. Let's take out some of these people of the story. Let's take out the first female. David dies. Let's take out the second female. The two men die. David dies. Let's take out these three men. David and these people starve to death. You see, God used these people in this story. And I want you to think about this. Every time you think, well, I don't have that much talent. I don't have all this ability. I don't have all this money. I want you to think about these folks right here. And they were still heroes. They were heroes to David. And he did not forget it when he was on his deathbed. And we'll get to that in 1 Kings.